We're turning God's word this evening to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read through this chapter, the final nine verses, verses 32 through 40. will serve as our text for the sermon this evening due to the length of the text. I will not reread it, so I ask that you pay special attention to verses 32 through 40. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, in which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is and heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, 
for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word, May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter that contains mighty feats performed by what we call the heroes of faith. Hebrews 11 records for us events, actions of men and women that were brave, that were courageous, that we might think are so incredible that although we stand in awe of what they did, we might find it difficult even to relate to what they did because it seems that it's beyond something that we would ever be capable of doing ourselves. What did they do? Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Abraham went out not knowing whether he went. And yet the remarkable thing about these heroes of faith listed in Hebrews chapter 11 is this, beloved, that without you, they are not perfect. seems almost to be arrogant, proud, to say such a thing. That without you and without me, they are not perfect. We might be inclined to distance ourselves 
from saying something like that. Who am I to say that these heroes of faith who stopped the mouths of lions, who escaped the edge of the sword, who out of weakness were made strong, who am I to say that these great heroes of faith are incomplete? And that the way that these heroes of faith are made complete is with me. Does not that reek of arrogance and of pride? That I am so important to puff myself up that they without me are not complete. But it is not pride, beloved, and I hope that we can see that this evening. It is not for one moment because of anything in you or in me. But it is the word of God. That without you, they are not perfect. That's how the chapter ends. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Believers made perfect. We use that as our theme this evening. Not without trials, first, second, not without faith, third, not without Christ. For us to understand how believers are made perfect, we must know first of all that God was sovereign over every single one of the events recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. It is no mistake that the narrative reads the way that it does. And there are two words in the final verse that call attention to the sovereign plan of God by which all of the circumstances of Hebrews chapter 11 came to pass. First of all, there is the word provided. Verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us. And that word provided literally means foreseen. God saw ahead of he foresaw that there would be some better thing for us. Now, when the scriptures speak here of God's foreseeing or even God's foreknowledge, God's knowing ahead of time what is going to happen, it is not as if God is like the man who attempts to peer into that glass ball and by peering into that glass ball is able to determine what the future is going to be. But rather, beloved, the foreknowledge or the foreseeing of God is causative. The foreknowledge of God causes everything to happen the way that it does exactly because God planned it that way. God is able to see ahead of time what is going to happen in your life and in my life exactly because God has planned it to happen that way. And then the second word in this verse that calls attention to the sovereignty of God over all things is that word perfect. That they without us should not be made perfect. And the word translated here in in the King James as perfect, comes from the Greek. It's the Greek word telos. That word telos means goal or completion. It's that which everything is being directed unto. And so God has a plan. That's the foreknowledge of God by which he plans all things out. But it's not as if God randomly or haphazardly plans things out. So that, well, perhaps things could go this way, or perhaps God could plan things to go that way. No, God has a purpose. He has a goal or a telos in mind. And God is directing all of history unto the completion and the fulfillment of that telos, that goal. And ultimately, the goal of God is the glory of his great and holy name in the salvation and the redemption of his people through Jesus Christ. That's the goal. 
toward which he directs all of history. That's the plan that he has for your life. And now understanding that God is sovereign over all of the circumstances of your life as well as the lives of the saints of Hebrews chapter 11. Now we pause to look more closely at the circumstances that were ordained by God. The writer, the inspired writer of Hebrews 11, testifies that the time would fail him to give all of the specific accounts of what God was doing. Verse 32, And what shall I more say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. And as the time would fail the inspired writer to give the specific historical accounts of all of these men, so the time would fail us to look closely at each and every one of these men as are recorded in the word. But observe with me some general truths that come out from these final nine verses of Hebrews chapter 11. One thing that comes out is that it was the plan, goal of God to use men of themselves who were weak and who had their own struggles with doubt to be the leaders of his covenant nation. Just a couple of examples to demonstrate that unto you, that God used men weak of themselves Verse 32, we read of Gideon. Gideon. Recall that when Gideon was called by the angel of the Lord to go and fight against the Midianites, instead of Gideon responding with courage and with utmost confidence in Jehovah God, Gideon responded with weakness of faith, saying, O my Lord, wherewith? Shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Judges 6, verse 15. And so Gideon pleaded of the Lord to give unto him some outward and physical sign as confirmation of the fact that Jehovah would be with him and that the Lord would sustain him when he went into battle against the Midianites. And so God gave unto him that sign of the fleece. He set that fleece outside the door of his tent. And the first night, all of the dew was concentrated on that fleece mat. And then the second night, the dew was everywhere else, but not on that fleece. Gideon struggled with weakness of faith and needed that physical confirmation. What would the time What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak. That Barak was by nature a cowardly man is well established in the pages of history as well as in the minds even of the school children. Recall that Barak was called by the Lord to go out to battle against Sisera, Captain of Jabin's army, and remember how Barak responded to that. Except the woman, Deborah, go with me into battle. I am not going. Gideon and of Barak and of Samson. Samson, a man filled with great strength, who was able to perform mighty feats, who could stop the mouths of lions who was able in his dying moment to grab the pillars of the temple of the Philistines and pull it in and collapse it so that there were hundreds who died in his death. Yet Samson struggled with weakness of faith. 
so that when he was pressed by delight, he gave up the secret of his strength. God was sovereign over all this. God planned it this way. What this makes clear, beloved, is that God is not pleased to use men mighty of themselves for the furtherance and for the establishment of his kingdom. But out of weakness, God makes strong. And out of a timid nature, Jehovah makes brave. What else can we observe from these patriarchs, matriarchs listed here? We may observe, beloved, that it was the will of God that they suffer for righteousness' sake. Notice that for many of these heroes, they were persecuted. Verse 34, they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Consider Elijah, who escaped the edge of Jezebel's sword. Consider David, who had to escape the edge of the sword that belonged to his own family members. First, his father-in-law, Saul, and then his own son, Absalom, who tried to kill his father in an attempt to steal the kingdom from him. They were tortured. According to verse 35, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. And that word translated here as tortured comes from a very vivid word in the original Greek. It's the word from which we receive the English word timpani. Think of that musical instrument that belongs to the, the percussion family, like a drum. And you take the sticks and you beat and beat and beat regularly upon the drum. Just as the musician takes the sticks and beats upon the drum, so it is that the people of God had the wicked. not accepting deliverance. For some of them, their own children were rent from them, tortured and put to death. Some of these women received their dead, raised to life again, but others didn't. It was the will of God, the sovereign, all-powerful plan of God that they would be brought to the goal, unto perfection, through this way of persecution. And how lonely they were as they went through these struggles. Verse 37, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. It became abundantly clear that there was no place on this earth for the Old Testament saints. They were not worthy of having these saints with them. And so the Old Testament, were, the Old Testament wicked world sought to remove this kingdom and covenant people of God from off of this earth. And so they had to escape to the dens and to the mountains in order to hide from the edge of the sword. 
God gives unto us, beloved, this account of the Old Testament saints so that we might be encouraged as we go through this earthly pilgrimage. Hebrews 12, verse 1 begins that way. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. God gives unto us the examples of Gideon and of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, and of David also, of all of these saints, that as we look at the cloud of witnesses, we might be reminded that we are not alone in the circumstances of this earth, but the burdens, the heartaches, the persecution even that we endure at the hands of wicked men means that we are one with the church of God throughout the Old Testament. Perhaps right now we say, well, I do not as keenly experience what these Old Testament saints endured. Right now I don't feel that I'm being tortured. Right now I don't have to face the edge of the sword. Right now there's nobody who is coming out and threatening my life because of my confession of faith in Jesus Christ. But the word of God, beloved, is it's coming. It's coming. Before Jesus Christ returns on the clouds of glory, there will be the great persecution, the final tribulation through which the church must pass on her way to glory. In that time, the church will be persecuted like she has never been persecuted before. The confidence we have is that the same God who ordained that the Old Testament saints would pass through that way will also uphold Why would God plan it that way? God is sovereign, as we said earlier. God has everything directed toward the goal of the glorification of his name through the salvation of his people. Then why would God ordain that they be tortured? That women have their children rent from them that they wander around in sheepskins and goatskins, outcasts of the earth. You know why, beloved? It's because of sin. It's because they were sinful. It's because you, you and I are sinful. The word says in verse 39, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. It's because they had not yet received the fulfillment of that covenant promise that God had given to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, that they had to pass through that difficult way of persecution and of trial. God used those trials to chasten his people. Hebrews 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And so it is because Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David also had a corrupt and a sinful nature, that God had to pass them through the trials and tribulations of this earth, which would be used like a fire to burn away the dross of their ungodliness. That's why God sends his people through hardships, not because he is angry with them, not because he hates them or is punishing them, but because he is chastening them, restoring them in his love. 
It was not without faith that these Old Testament saints were led unto heaven. Verse 39 speaks of their faith. These all having obtained a good report through faith receive not the promise. They obtained this good report through faith. This good report is really the theme of Hebrews chapter 11. The good report given unto them by faith. It serves as bookends to this chapter. At the beginning of the chapter, Hebrews 11 verse 2, we read, For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. And then the chapter goes on to speak of the good report that all of these Old Testament saints received. And then again, at the end of the chapter, it speaks again of this good report. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith. And so we might compare Hebrews 11 like unto the grades that a student receives for, their wor- for, for the work that they have submitted to their teacher. Students oftentimes are all too curious to know what grades the other students got. They want to know how well they did on this test or that test. Sometimes they're brave enough to ask the other student how they did. Other times they attempt to be more sneaky in looking at the grades without letting it be known that they are looking at the grades of the other students. Here, as it were, God gives unto us the report card of the patriarchs. And we do not need to be ashamed of our interest in what report God gave unto them. But God lays it open for us so that we may look at the report that God gave unto them. And the report was a good Report for by it the elders obtained a good report. This good report is none other, beloved, than the approval of God Himself as God looked down upon these Old Testament saints. God, as He looked down upon Samson and upon Barak and upon David and upon Jephthah, God Himself gave His approval of what these Old Testament saints were doing. God was not angry with them. God was not ready to cast them off because of their doubts, because of their sins, and because of their weaknesses. But God gave unto them that good report. The only way that God could give unto them that good report was the forbearance of God as God looked ahead to that cross of Jesus Christ, knowing that God was going to send His only begotten Son, the promised Messiah, who would die upon the cross in order to redeem these Old Testament saints unto Himself. It was as God looked at His children through the coming work of His Son, Jesus Christ, that God gave unto them this good report. But here, beloved, is the amazing love of God. It's not just that you and I, as saints at this late date in the New Testament, get to look back upon the report that was given to these saints and say, ah, yes, God did approve of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, God did approve of David and Samson and Gideon. No, it's not just we who get to know this good report, but, beloved, God gave unto the Old Testament saints themselves the knowledge of this good report. Abel knew of this good report. Verse 4, By faith Abel offered unto Cain a more excellent sacrifice, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. The next verse, Enoch, 
By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he, Enoch, had this testimony that he pleased God. It's not just you and me who know that these Old Testament saints were righteous before God, but they knew that they were righteous before God. And therein, beloved, lies the key to understanding how these saints were able to perform the miraculous acts that are recorded in Hebrews chapter 11. That is how the saints were able to persevere when they were tortured, when they were mocked, when they faced the edge of the sword. That is how they were able, like Abraham, to go out into this nation that they were totally unfamiliar with and live as pilgrims and strangers upon this earth because God himself had given unto them the knowledge of God's approval of them from on high. And it was faith that gave unto them the knowledge that God approved of, what the, of who they were as God's children. By faith, they were united unto the coming Messiah, the promised one who would do battle with the seed of the serpent and who would destroy that seed of the serpent who was the enemy of the church. Faith always rests upon and draws its strength from Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And so the same faith that unites you unto Jesus Christ and gives unto you strength and the ability to live faithfully as God's children upon this earth likewise upheld these Old Testament saints. Faith is the explanation of how the saints were able to endure. It is not because of the greatness of their character that they are called the heroes of faith but it was rather because their faith united them unto the one who was able to do exceeding abundantly above all that they could ask or even think that, the, that they are set before us here as the heroes of faith. By faith, they were given the victory that overcomes the world, according to 1 John chapter 5. By faith, they subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Lacking faith, they would be no heroes. Lacking faith, Gideon would still be peering out the tent flap, waiting for water, the dew, to come on the fleece. Lacking faith, Barak would still be hiding behind the skirt of the woman. Lacking faith, David would never have gone against the giant Goliath. Lacking faith, Rahab would not be listed in this chapter would have perished with the rest of that unbelieving city of Jericho. But with faith, as God's gift unto them, they were changed. By faith, they were able to endure. And just as it was faith that enabled the Old Testament saints live faithfully before Jehovah God, so it is for you and for me, beloved. It's faith that distinguishes you from the people of the world. We and our children are conceived and born in sin, and there is nothing in us that separates us from the world. There is no natural power hidden within you, no superhuman ability 
to be faithful unto God's word in all the circumstances of life. There is no latent power within you to resist temptation, to make sacrifices for the kingdom of God, to be faithful in rearing up the children which God has given unto you. It is not in us, but it is only by way of and because of God's gift of faith that he gives unto you that you are able to be faithful in this earthly pilgrimage. Not without trials, not without faith, and not without trials. See, Christ revealed to us, especially in the 40th verse, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Why is it that they, the Old Testament saints without us, the New Testament church, would not be made perfect? You know how a proud man would respond to this? Imagine how a professional athlete would respond if he's having conversations with the team manager about his role on the team professional athlete would say, you need me on this team. Without me on this team, this team is not going to be perfect. They're not going to be complete. So you better open up and pay me generously in order to keep me on this team. The athlete would say it's because of what I contribute to this team that it is worth your while to pay me millions of dollars to keep me on this team. Is that the sense, beloved, in which they without us would not be made perfect? Is it the case that there is something so significant in you, that you are so important and so valuable, that they without you as an individual would not be made perfect? You understand full well that that is not and must not be the answer that the spirit-filled child of God gives. It is not because there is anything great or heroic or exceptional in any one of you or me. But why then? Why is it that they without us would not be made text gives us the answer. It's because God has given some better thing to us. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. That's why, beloved, the Old Testament saints lacking you and lacking me would not be made perfect because God has given something better unto us. And it's only because God has given that something better unto us that the Old Testament saints lacking that better thing would be incomplete. Not for one second is it because I am so important and I am so significant that they without my important place in the church or in the kingdom would be incomplete. No, it is exactly because God has provided some better thing unto you and because God has given that better thing unto you, then they without you are incomplete. They're not made perfect. They're not brought to that telos, to that goal that God has ordained for them. And so what then, the question is asked, what then is that better thing? What is it that God has given unto you that God did not give unto the Old Testament saints? Hebrews helps us answer that question. And the answer that's given throughout the book of Hebrews is this. The better thing is the covenant. Or more precisely, the better covenant. Throughout he, the book of Hebrews, there is that language used of the better covenant that God gives unto 
his New Testament saints. Hebrews 1, beginning of the chapter. Hebrews 1, verse 3, speaks of Jesus Christ, who is the express image of God, who sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 4, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Christ made so much better than the angels. A couple of chapters later, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And testament could otherwise be translated as covenant. Jesus was made the surety of a better covenant. And then the next chapter, Hebrews 8, verse 6. But now hath he, Christ, obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also is he a mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. It is the better covenant that God has given unto you as New Testament saints that makes you unique and without which the Old Testament saints would not be made perfect. A better covenant. Better, why? Better because of the work of Jesus Christ. You see, the Old Testament saints did not yet have that finished work of their Messiah. By faith they looked for Him, they longed for His coming for the entrance of the Son of God into this world in order to redeem them from their sins. But they did not yet have that finished and accomplished work at Calvary. And so better for us as New Testament saints because we can look back upon that finished work. It's an accomplished fact that Jesus Christ has died on the cross in order to redeem us from our sins. Better, why? Better covenant because we have the full and complete Word of God. The Old Testament saints had so very little of the revelation of God given unto them in comparison to the complete revelation, all 66 books of the Scriptures given unto us. Better. Why? Better. Because as New Testament saints, we have the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the crucified, risen, and ascended Messiah. And His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And so it is that they without us shall not be made perfect. For God has provided something better for us, that better covenant through Jesus Christ. May God give unto you, beloved, strength to live then as those who have been given that better covenant. really have no excuse not to walk by faith. God, we might say, was by no means stingy in what He gave to the Old Testament saints. He gave Abel the ability to offer a more excellent sacrifice. He gave unto Noah, the ability to prepare an ark to the saving of his house. He gave unto Rahab grace, so that she perish not with them that believe not. 
And yet, in comparison to what God had, has given unto the Old Testament saints, he has granted unto us something better. We are left without excuse then as we stand before the living and holy God. John Calvin writes, quote, A small spark of light led the Old Testament saints to heaven when the sun, S-U-N, when the sun of righteousness shines over us with what pretense can we excuse ourselves if we still cleave to this earth. The world was not worthy of these Old Testament saints. Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. They were too holy, too pious for this earth. And so God took these saints off of this earth and he brought them to heaven where there they wait for you and for me so that they with us through Jesus Christ might be made perfect. Amen. God and our Father in heaven, thou art the God who does never forget thy children, but the God who holds us in the hollow of thy hand, the God who gives us, gives us safety under the shadow of thy almighty wings, the God who directs all things according to thy counsel and who afterwards receives us unto glory. Father, wilt thou bless the words which are, were preached unto our hearts help us to live in the week ahead as faithful pilgrims and strangers upon this earth to seek the fatherland where we can join with the saints who have gone to heaven before us. Forgive us our sins and receive our worship for Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>